Welcome, 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 welcome into a Wednesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and you with us. Thanks for being with us. Coming up today on the show, Jim Ursay speaks out on officiating and more. We'll get to that after headlines. Plus, the Titans have two quarterbacks, so they don't have one. Why the Colts are actually in a solid position at quarterback, even with Anthony Richardson's season-ending injury. We'll explain what's happening in Tennessee and why the Colts are in much better comparison. Uh, meanwhile, Nebraska football, well, it's fallen on hard times, but it was passed by another Nebraska sport in TV ratings. We'll explain what's going on into this hour, but it's it's a good thing. It's not a, it's not an indictment of Nebraska football. This is more of a positive thing for the Big Ten. We'll get to that later this hour. Plus, uh, speaking of indictments, uh, this one is an indictment on Big Ten basketball. Couple things come down. Big Ten backing out of something. Also. Failing to acknowledge something else. We'll explain what's going on there. Aaron Rodgers speaks out and is spot on on one thing that I think is driving everyone crazy in the NFL. We'll get to that around 820. Plus, Zach Eady is set to join an elite Big Ten list this season. He could join former IU star Trace Jackson Davis. We'll explain the numbers there. And before we leave you, uh, people use some interesting things to try to, you know, get to work faster. Uh, This person went next level in the spirit of Halloween uh, to try to have a faster ride to work. We'll explain what's going on there. Plus, we have Comets tickets to give away. So we have a four-pack of tickets for the Comets. Uh, You know, I got to double-check because I'm actually not not sure off the top of my head. I believe it is for Saturday's game. All right. Is that right? I I believe they play play Wheeling. Friday at home. It's against Wheeling. Okay, because Toledo is Friday, so it is so Saturday. Wheeling must yeah. be Saturday. It is Wheeling. All right, so we Friday have a, is Ghostbusters night. That's right. So we have a four pack of tickets for Saturday night's game against Wheeling. So we'll pick a winner at the end of the show. But get your entries in now. Uh, what's a what's a good? Uh, just do Wheeling. Wheeling, yeah, yeah, that's easy. Wheeling to four six eight six two again. Wheeling to four six eight six two. You'll be in the running for a. Four pack of tickets. See the comments in action against the Nailers coming up Saturday night at the Coliseum. Because a seven thirty puck drop yes. on Saturday night at the Coliseum. You can also text us four six eight six two. As always, if you have thoughts on the show, what we're talking about, just type in CK first in your question, comment, rant, whatever you have. Uh, you can also stream us thirteen eighty thefan dot com on the free thirteen eighty the fan app or your smart speaker. Headlines this morning and history made last night as the Arizona Diamondbacks head back to the World Series. You had both road teams in the championship series win a game seven. And once again, the streak continues. Brewers fans, I'm sorry. You may want to tune this part out. But <laughs> we knew it was the gonna streak happen, right? continues. We should have known. I, I jumped on the Phillies bandwagon after they beat the Braves. But statistically speaking... It is still true that every team that has beaten the Brewers in Major League Baseball postseason has gone on to play in the World Series. Now, those teams that got on to win in the World Series up until, what, the, the Phillies last year? I believe so. So, uh, Arizona, you've just uh, completed the mission. And again, apologize, Brewers fans, uh, that, that bit is over. But uh, 
just a dominant performance. It, it was it was never it never felt like the Phillies were had anything for the Brewers. They they had some chances, but Andrew Salfrank uh, going to the World Series as well. He got some playing time late uh, in the seventh, and the Diamondbacks got themselves out of a jam in the seventh, and that pretty much sealed it. Only five hits for Philly last night. Scattered five hits. Had a run in the second, run in the fourth. And when we've looked at Philly rolling through the playoffs up till now, it's been those bats that have led them. And you look at the breakdown of this series, and three of the four wins for Arizona in the series came with by holding the Phillies to two runs or less. The only game in which they really outscored them was game four, when it was six to five. But other than that, it was game three win was two to one. Game six was five to one. Game seven was four to two. When Arizona was able to silence the Philadelphia bats, they were able to win games in the series, including last night. Corbin Carroll uh, had a, a big game for Arizona. Meanwhile, uh, he went three for four, had two runs and two RBI. Meanwhile, here's the key stat to me for the Phillies. Trey Turner, 0 for 4. Bryce Harper, 0 for 4. Nick Castellanos, 0 for 4. Uh, and Kyle Schwarber, 1 for 3 in the leadoff, but no home runs. If you're not getting offense from those guys, you're not getting offense, period, if you're Philadelphia. Nick Castellanos, 0 for his last 21 to end that series. He was not good uh, when it counted, and neither was Schwarber. Bryce Harper couldn't do much, so um, the bats, like I said, just went silent for Philly and Arizona now going to the World Series to play Texas. Meanwhile, in the NBA last night, season uh, opening night, as the Nuggets took care of the Lakers, this game never really felt very close uh, from from what I watched. Uh, LeBron, just 29 minutes, 21 points. Uh, Jokic, meanwhile, had a triple-double, 29 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists uh, to lead the Nuggets as they raised the banner and get a win over the Lakers yet yet again. Uh, And then in the late game, Low scoring game, both teams barely breaking 100, but Phoenix beats Golden State 108 to 104. Notable in this one because, well, it's about who didn't play. Bradley Beal didn't play for the Suns, and Draymond Green did not play for the Warriors. Or Trace Jackson Davis, for yeah, that matter. Yeah, true. When that was, that was a coach's out, decision. That, yes. Not a huge surprise, but he did play well in the preseason. Um, so NBA opening night. It was last night. Uh, the Pacers open the season tonight, 7 o'clock. The tip against the Washington Wizards at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. We'll also have the game starting at 7 here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM as we'll carry select Pacers games throughout the season. Uh, in the NFL, you have a bit of a change. The NFL has gone back. So it was initially a four-game suspension. For Broncos safety, Kareem Jackson, that's been cut to two games after an appeal. Usually what happens with an appeal. Yes. Right? So, You're contrite. Uh, you say you won't do it again. Say it was accidental. They usually cut and trim those suspensions. In college football, again, we, we continue to get more and more on the Michigan scandal. And this is what's funny. So there's more details have come out on the games that Connor Stallion's bought uh, tickets to. Uh, He bought a single ticket to Tennessee versus Kentucky last October then transferred it to a person who attended the game in a seat facing the Vols sideline. He also bought tickets to Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and the last two SEC title games. 
Um, also bought a ticket to Oregon, Washington in Eugene last year. And again, transferred in immediately. Seat facing the Oregon bench. Notice how there's a certain game that he did not buy tickets to scout. Mm. <laughs> you notice a, a, a trend or the, the missing link here? The Ohio, like Ohio State? Oh, no, no, no. Because that was covered yesterday. He, he bought okay. Ohio State tickets. Uh, TCU? Yes, TCU. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously this guy's job was to go out and scout other teams. It's not allowed, but... I mean, nothing surprising because yesterday, oh, he was doing non-big. T- well, of course, he's, that was his job was to go effectively scout. So uh, not really surprising that he was scouting other teams. Uh, Deion Sanders spoke out on this yesterday and basically um, said that. And here was his quote. He said, I, he said, with football, I don't give a darn if you know a sweep is coming. You still got to stop it physically. It's a physical game. You got to stop it. That's a little tough. I don't buy into a lot of that stuff that someone is stealing this. Or stealing that. So his thing is, you can scout a team and know their signs and all that stuff. You still have to make the plays. So I think the athletic what did a story yesterday and had some quotes from unnamed coaches, and it, it was a wide range. It was everything from oh, it's egregious and they need punished hard to you know if you're not cheating, you're not trying type thing either. So I, I think it's across the gamut, even in college football, on how. Um, big of a deal this is. And and again, you still got to win the games. The sign-stealing part is the part that's legal. It's the in-person scouting, again, that's been banned since 1994 as a way to try to somewhat level the playing field because Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, schools like that, obviously they can have the resources to pay someone to do that and pay them a, a decent salary for a year. But your Mac schools, your... Uh, you know, schools like that, they're not going to have the funding for, for those extra position or positions. And that's why they kind of got rid of this. Uh, the Big Ten, as far as categories for discipline, uh, first includes fines that don't see t- exceed $10,000 and suspensions of no more than two contests. The second, for major disciplinary action, requires approval from, from an executive committee made up of representatives of different schools, which can deny or reduce them but not add to them. So that committee decided penalties for Michigan State from the fight with Michigan uh, last year in the Michigan Stadium Tunnel. So this could be the route that they go. The Big Ten would want to have, uh, quote, as full of a picture what the facts actually are if we were to act, end quote, uh, before the NCAA completes its investigation, which, again, not going to occur until sometime next year. No, no, no. I mean, the dude will probably get fired. Whoever is an immediate supervisor, boss will be probably will get fired, but there's nothing that's going to be really, really punishing. They're not going to vacate wins or anything like that. Well, not, not this year, not in, I don't think ever. You don't think ever? No, that's what the NCAA, they love vacating wins. Yeah, that's, that's the, they think that's their 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 big uh, the big punishment they can hand out. But you know what? USC still won the national championship. Reggie Bush still won the Heisman. Yep. Okay. So Notre Dame wins. still won all those games in twenty twelve. Yeah. Right. It's still. I mean, I it's still on their overall record and stuff. Technically, it's not supposed to be. Brian Kelly technically not supposed to have those wins, but he does. So it's just. Well, they don't count it in his him being the winningest coach in Notre Dame. Yeah, I know, but you look if we talk about yeah. his overall record, nobody's going, "Well, he didn't have to vacate those X yeah, amount no, of wins." No like, nobody's doing that. Yeah, no one's holding that against coaches. Uh meanwhile in college basketball, women's college basketball, Mackenzie Holmes uh, of IU has been named an Associated Press preseason All-American. 
a first Hoosier to earn preseason All-American honors for the team. Uh, she's been a two-time postseason All-American in 2022, honorable mention in 2023, uh, a first teamer. So congrats to her as the Hoosiers again tried to rebound after a disappointing early exit in the tournament last year and uh, after earning their first ever number one seed and they should have a lot of people back and a lot of talent and a lot of expectations preseason number nine team in the country should be a, another good regular season at least for iu but they were uh they faltered like you said in the uh in the tournament uh so had a text come in ck any reports that the michigan scout bought tickets to iu games i mean you could get those at costco <laughs> that's so, true i mean maybe that is true i saw them at costco. At costco so um yeah, I don't know if that was uh, that was needed to go scout IU. Well, did they begin scouting? Because after 2020, <laughs> losing to teams like IU and you lost, what was it, like 38-21? And they got completely routed by the Hoosiers that year. Well, here's the thing, too, is what can you gain from scouting IU? Because you just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. That's true. All your scout work is going to be for naught. Yes, because Tom Allen is just, every, he's playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers. <laughs> Uh, we can't help but sneak in a a, a, uh, a dig at Tom Allen every morning. It's too easy. Yes. It's like bear stories and digs at Tom Allen. It's like checking off the things in the morning that we have to do. All right. So here's the, the headline across the state. Jim Ursay speaking out and, of course, saying some things he's not supposed to. So the, the first thing is Anthony Richardson had surgery yesterday. It was successful, which again, I'm waiting for the first ever unsuccessful surgery announcement. Um, no one ever makes those. Yeah. But uh, procedure, s- shoulder injury repaired. No surprises found during surgery. Um, no present date for his return. Also, this, which is causing more of a controversy. Ursa said, the NFL admits and understands that they did not make the correct calls at the end of Sunday's Colts-Browns game. I believe we need to institute instant replay for all calls, including penalties, in the last two minutes of all games. Uh, can you imagine watching Gosh, NFL games like, like that? Four hours long. Yeah. If you thought college football games were too long up until they made the rule change, which I don't, I haven't seen an update on how much that's actually helped because they've just kept the ad breaks the same. Right. Um, but that would be an absolute slog to watch. Now, here's the thing. NFL uh, talks with teams on a weekly basis about various calls. Team officials prohibited from commenting publicly on those discussions. Now with Jim Mercy obviously making a comment, I'm sure there will be some sort of fine. Yeah, whatever. He's got plenty of money. He'll pay the fine. Yeah, he'll pay the he fine. And, and here's the thing. He makes it so that his coaches and his players don't have to make a comment on it and get themselves in trouble and pay the fine. He's taken one for the team, literally. Well, you know, he loves to cater to the fans mm-hmm. and this caters him to the fans saying, yeah, yep, yep. See, they got, they got it wrong. Um, I still don't think the, and the first of the two quote unquote egregious penalties was as egregious as people say. I will say the second one was not a good call, but I also don't think the Colts lost because of those calls. They lost because they turned the ball over four times. They gave up a third and 10, 30-yard pass play earlier on the drive. They also gave up a touchdown on fourth and goal. Like, after all those penalties, the Browns still took, took them a while four times to, to, score to, to try to get into the end zone. So but They were many things, like, 
Yeah, the, the penalties, whether you agree or disagree, it, it it helped impact the game for sure at the end. But four turnovers over the, over the course of the game also impacted the game. So you can't call attention to one, in my opinion, without calling attention to the other. It's not as if the Colts played a perfect game or this was a playoff game and they were screwed on the last play um, or one of the last plays of the game. Okay. So yeah. Did the NFL probably get it wrong on at least one of the calls? Yes. But that's life. That's, that's, that's how things go. And you're not in that position if you don't turn the ball over four times, but it's easier to deflect blame, right? Oh yeah. It's easy to, Point at officials, and this will actually tie in well to our discussion in hour number two. Uh, we'll play a, a clip of what Aaron Rodgers had to say about NFL officiating, and he could not be more correct on this. And I think the NFL wants things to be set up the way it is presently, and and we'll get more into that in hour number two as to why. Four six eight six two, your text line number again. Four six eight six two. You can text Wheeling to that number. And be in the running for a four-pack of tickets to see the Comets and, and the Nailers Saturday night at the Coliseum Puck Drop at 7.30 in that one. Coming up on the other side, the Titans have two quarterbacks, so they don't have one. Why the Colts are in an envious position in the NFL. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Some Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath. You remember he like was host of was it extra back in the day? I don't even think that was shows really? on anymore. Yeah. No, the only one that's left is like Entertainment e. Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All the others like Access Hollywood's gone, right? Yep. Extra is gone. Uh huh. And it's just ET as far as I know. like yeah. there might be another lesser one on like the CW or something or you know right like different but like that's it as far as the uh the, the hollywood shows yeah he did he was a co-host of uh of extra for a long time right i think so multiple years with it yeah yeah i just thought it was like kind of the weirdest thing random <laughs> yeah the lead singer sugar ray is the co-host on a celebrity yeah, right? news show which i mean it's crazy to think that was like a thing now it's essentially gone well, you know, that was before TMZ and the internet wasn't as big and stuff. You know, you had to get your entertainment news somewhere. Yeah. Your yeah. gossip somewhere. It was either the, the entertainment section in the paper or yeah. one of those entertainment or shows. Waited for the for your weekly People magazine to yeah, get to also your house, true. you know, or, or um, Us yeah. Weekly. Us Weekly, yeah. Whatever else. Uh, what, Does your wife, would she pick up? Those it's like sometimes no, no. She, no. she's not interested in celebrity lifestyle or she at least gets it online. She's not really interested. Not really like, interested. She may like her thing is she may stumble across some like celebrity news on like Instagram reels, which I, if there is like one thing I cannot stand on social media in particular, like a very specific thing. It is like Instagram reels. Why? I don't like what's it, the difference between them and Facebook reels. It's the same, but you don't like Facebook reels. I don't watch those. Like it doesn't okay. come up like, but she'll be on her phone, like playing Instagram and just like scrolling. It's just, you know, audio, audio. And I'm like, okay, like I can't, I can't deal with competing sounds. 
Jesus. Like if I have the TV on and then she's watching Instagram reels after like five to 10 minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it just, you can't do two things. You know, what's been a game. I don't know if I told you the game changer in our house. And eventually as you get older, you'll, you'll chuckle. Cause I did back in the day. Uh, I knew somebody that had a set of headphones. Yeah. Oh yeah. My dad had like Bluetooth that headphones. TV plug in, mm-hmm. you know, TVs used to have like a headphone jack and then it was like a with the cord coming yeah. out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now you got Bluetooth and I will do those if I'm watching a game or what something and I have them on, like I used to chuckle. I, who gets those? Now I have them. I'm, I might have to do that yes. because like game I game changer for whatever reason, when they're like competing sounds going on, like I was doing like show prep the other week and she was in the like upstairs in the bathroom, but listening to a podcast in the shower, like before she shut the door, like, Hey, can you turn that down a little bit? Like, cause it was going to drive me nuts. <laughs> like I can't, I can't focus with competing sounds. I don't know why it just, it's a thing. It's cause you're a simpleton. You're a man. <laughs> we can't focus on multiple things no, at once. No, we cannot. No. Yeah. I mean, we could barely could focus on one thing at once. Yeah, that's true. Four, six, eight, six, two, your text line again, four, six, eight, six, two, uh, the Titans uh, have announced that Malik Willis, remember him, and Will Levis, the guy who everyone thought would go to the Colts, they will play Sunday if Ryan Tannehill, who suffered an ankle injury, does not. Tannehill didn't practice uh, yesterday. First injury report comes out today for Tennessee. Now, Malik Willis, I think, had a start or two last season, did not go well, probably in his last chance to really prove that he can be an NFL starting quarterback is probably this year with Tennessee. Meanwhile, Will Levis, I mean, has not played in the season. He did play a little bit in the preseason. So this could be their opportunity if Tannehill's not healthy. But the Colts are in a better position compared to a team like Tennessee, who literally has three quarterbacks on the roster that they're trying to decide from. And it's so weird that, you know, you keep Tannehill, but then you draft Willis, and then you keep Willis, and then you draft Will Levis. Like, that. It does not make any sense. Now, I get it. Will Levis was a value pick because he fell all the way to the second round. But wouldn't you want to get rid of at least one of those other guys so you could move forward? Well, I think what you're seeing with Tennessee is, first off, with the trade of Kevin Byard on Monday to Philly, is this is a team that's kind of looking at it going, um, we're probably about to turn the page on this current roster. And that yeah. the questions are too about Derrick Henry is, is he on this team next year? But Ryan Tannehill's time is limited in Tennessee. And if Tennessee is starting to lean towards punting on the season, or at least starting to, to get rid of some assets that, that they can get then trade value and, and capital with, you may as well see what you have in Malik Willis and Will Levis, because to your point, you have two guys that were, taken it in the top three rounds of the last two drafts, Malik Willis in the third, Will Levis in the second, that you don't know what you have yet. And so it makes total sense that once the Titans upper management decides, okay, we're not competing this year, which it seems like they are leaning that way by moving higher. They're two and four, right? It's not looking positive moving forward. Then it makes sense. Even if Ryan Tannehill is healthy, which it doesn't sound like he is, to eventually figure out what you have in Malik Willis and Will Levis. So I don't know if Tannehill goes out of the lineup if we see him the rest of the year. Because if Tennessee is not focusing on 2023 and starts looking ahead, then you have to figure out which of those quarterbacks is any good. 
Yeah, and I, I think the Titans are at that point where you, you got to move on. You you got to move on from one of the guys probably this season. I'm not not saying cut him or trade him, but just make that decision that they're not the guy and then do what you you will in the offseason. But this is where the Colts, I feel like, are actually in a good spot because in the NFL, there are two places you can be in. One, you have the guy. You're set. Now, there are just a handful of teams who feel like they are completely set and having the guy and knowing that they can get you you know, to, to a title. Now, very few teams. I mean, right now you can list them on I, I could, two hands. I would. You don't need any more. Maybe yeah, one. Yeah. But I would say Tua in Miami. Yes. Um, I would say Patrick Mahomes uh-huh. in KC. I would put Lamar Jackson in that of yes. Baltimore. You look at Jalen Hurts in Philly, mm-hmm. and. Joe Burrow and Joe City. Burrow or Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. That's or, probably or, yeah, it. Sorry, Cincinnati. Oh, and Josh Allen. I don't know. He's As, still a, he's still a top five quarterback. I don't have confidence. I I don't know if Josh you, Allen is good enough to get to a, a team to a Super Bowl. We haven't seen Buffalo yet get to a Super Bowl. And this no. is a team that's been one of the best teams in the league over the last two or three years. They're struggling at four and three right now. Josh Allen makes. Costly mistakes again last Sunday. That's his MO is making costly mistakes in big moments. I, I usually would put Josh Allen in that in that category. I'm starting to lean the other way, especially if this year it doesn't happen. Would you put Justin Herbert on that list? No. Okay. Not yet. Okay. I haven't seen What about seen Trevor enough. Lawrence? No, no. Not yet. Okay. I think both of those guys have a, a, a chance. I, I would add Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Um... That's nine guys. But I think you're, you, with the guys you mentioned, those are all teams that are happy with their number one. Yes. And they that, believe. That's, that's what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- for me, I don't feel like those quarterbacks are necessarily championship quarterbacks yet. But to your point, yes, there are teams that are confident in their quarterback once. Now, but, I'm sure Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys would also say they're confident in Dak Prescott. I, but, I mean, publicly I, he's saying that. Yeah. I don't know if he's saying that publicly. I don't know if they feel that anymore. way. But, but either way, like you said, you can count it on two hands, whether it's a list of six, whether it's a, a list of nine. It's certainly less than ten. I don't think there's anyone that we're, we're missing on that list as far as being guys you feel comfortable with saying they have the talent and capability to get a team to a Super Bowl? Um, no, I mean, uh, even Detroit. I mean, Jared Goff has been very good this year, is but I don't. I can't put him in that list. No, I yeah, I can't either. I can't. And then Brock like, Purdy. No, I don't. No. Then, then there are other guys like Matthew Stafford's. There, your Aaron Rodgers guys who've already won a Super Bowl but are clearly on the downward slide of their careers and aren't going to get you to any future Super Bowls. Yes, I would agree. Russell Wilson, for example, he would also be on that list. Uh, on and on and on. Now, you look, you, you talk about Malik Willis and Will Levis, and and we've talked ad nauseum about the, the, the quarterback position and how important it is. Do we reach a point in the NFL to where the Tennessee Titans go ahead next year and say, okay, we're getting rid of Ryan Tannehill, but here we have two young quarterbacks, and one of them has to turn out, right? Yeah. And so when I look at, at let's say, Chicago, and people say, well, the Chicago Bears are going to draft a quarterback and they're going to punt on Justin Fields at the end of the season. Either they keep Justin Fields and don't draft a quarterback or they 
get rid of Justin Fields and they do draft a quarterback. My thing is, why not both? Why don't you keep Justin Fields? You exercise the option on him for next year and you draft a quarterback and you have Tyson Badgett. So that gives you conceivably three possible possibilities to figure out the quarterback position. I think so many teams look at it and say, well, you only have, you can only have one guy, but why not just have multiple do treat it like college? Like every, you know, we have multiple quarterbacks in the room and we hope one of them emerges as QB one. I could see NFL teams going with that, especially with two young guys that are on rookie deals in which you're not paying a lot of money to. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is the rookie deal. Um, you look at his, his cap hit for next year is just a touch over six million dollars, which is up from five point one million dollars this year. But you, you you take them if it works out, you can extend them. If it doesn't, you're not owing him anything else down the stretch. I I like that move. And if you're the Colts, uh, so I talk about how there are those those teams with a quarterback and they're locked in. We we rattled the quarterbacks uh, again. You can debate a couple of them. I think Herbert's debatable. I'm locked in on Josh Allen. You're not. I'm locked in on on Trevor Lawrence. You're not. Well, I mean, in terms of a, the team. Thinking and believing they have a QB one, I will agree with both of those guys. In terms of winning a championship, I'm not there yet with either one of them. Which is fair, yeah. Um, with those guys, but then on the flip side, so if you don't have a guy, that's where there are problems because you want to be a team who has a guy like those players we mentioned, or who th- who you think you have a guy and they're just so young and they need more time, and that's exactly where the Colts are at. The Bears are in a tough spot because their decision time for Justin Fields. The Colts are fine because, unfortunately, with the injury, he just bought a whole other year, a whole other draft cycle, because he got to wait at least until after next year to have any clue with what Anthony Richardson will be long-term. Now, early returns and what we saw in limited action this year, clearly signs are pointing to him having the, the possibility and even the likelihood, if he stays healthy, of being a franchise quarterback in the NFL. That's good. That's a good spot to be in. I get that, yeah, you're not winning right now, but the thing is, you've invested in a draft pick, and for their first two years, when you're still trying to figure things out, and it, and it still looks like it's either trending in a positive direction or there's at least an ounce of hope, like that's a good spot to be in. Uh, the Bears this year, not so much. The Jets, with Zach Wilson last year and, and even this year, not so much. Th- those are Those are... Like we got to start over spots and draft another guy and repeat the cycle. But you have like a two to three year window in between after making that pick where you're in a good spot because you don't know what you have yet. Yeah. You have that luxury of of letting it play out. You're feeling optimistic. Yes. You have. Yes. Uh, Text coming in. uh, CK messages four, six, eight, six, two JK. Are you crazy? Herbert is a top five quarterback. He has no defense, crappy coach, skill players that are never healthy. Averages like 25, 30 points per game. Single-handedly making LA competitive. I'm not saying Justin Herbert's a bad quarterback. I, I just, I, I don't think he's a championship quarterback yet. Hasn't proven it yet. I don't know. You can make a case he's top five, but who is he? Who is he better than? He's not better than Mahomes. No. He's not better than Jalen Hurts. No. Uh, he's not better than, in my opinion, Tua when Tua's healthy. Um, I don't. Uh, are you saying he's better than Josh Allen? No. Joe Burrow? No. So then he's not top five. I'd, I'd put him and Lawrence kind of just outside the top five. 
I mean, I, I'm, I, you can make a case top bottom of top five, maybe. At, he's fifth at best. Fifth at best. It, it's obviously Mahomes, and then I would say Burrow. I would go Allen. Then I would go... Uh, see, this is where it gets really tough. Yeah, it gets it's difficult. I get it. Uh, those, to me, are still the top three. After that, it's debatable. Is it Trevor Lawrence? Is it Jalen Hurts? Is it Justin Herbert? Any of those three guys, to me, could compete for, for spots four and five. Uh, Justin Herbert has never won a playoff game. Granted, he's only been in one playoff game. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time putting somebody in the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and they don't have a single postseason win yeah no and that's completely fair uh someone else how can you put Allen in the top five he is garbage <laughs> i don't know if he's I garbage. garbage i do think that he deserves more criticism than he gets yes for his miscues particularly in key moments of games in red zones another text ck i'm taking lawrence over herbert all day and that and again that's one where i feel like you could you could flip <laughs> either way the, the problem for herbert is He's had no stability on the coaching front, and that's part of the problem. If he can just get quality coaching and not have rotating coordinators every year, I think that will go a long way in, in providing some stability and then him taking them to the next level. But we'll see. I mean, here's the thing. Eventually, you got to start winning games. It doesn't matter how hard your division is. I mean, we saw them go toe-to-toe with Kansas City for a half on Sunday, and then... The Chiefs pulled away. The Chiefs' defense, I think, has gotten a lot better from what they were last year, which would scare a lot of people. And Justin Herbert's a great quarterback, but he can't do it all. I mean, you, you got to have guys be healthy. I mean, it seems like Mike Williams is always hurt. Yeah. You just you can't deal with that long term. So Justin Herbert, I, I made the point Justin Herbert hadn't won a playoff game. You can make the case for Tua. Tua's never played in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why I'm not putting him in the top five. And I, I totally get that. So... I do think you can debate it any which way, but I think coming back to what we we were talking about, about Tennessee and, and the approach to having a quarterback is there's so much approach to finding one where I just wonder at some point do more teams go the Tennessee route, and right now the Titans are going, okay, we have Malik Willis, we have Will Levis. One of those is bound to turn out, right? Yeah, the problem is they're literally, if Tannehill doesn't play, they're literally going to rotate them in-game on Sunday. Which is um, <laughs> Tom Allen yeah. thinking, I, I would say, I think you have to commit to one. And for me, it would be Malik Willis because he's one year older, one year more in the system. You still took him with a third-round pick. This wasn't a guy that you took in the sixth round of the flyer and just was like, a, okay, he'll be our backup. Like, you have plans for Malik Willis to be the guy, so why don't, if Ryan Tannehill's going to be out long-term, go... All right, we're going to play him two, three games in a row. See if see what happens. See what works. If it doesn't, then we put Will Levis in there and see if what he can do over the course of two or three weeks. I think that's what you're going to see with Tennessee the rest of the way if they continue to lose games because they're already starting to trade assets. I wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Henry gets moved too. But Ryan Tannehill's days in Tennessee are numbered. We all knew that even going into the season. It was almost surprising that he was brought back, that they didn't just completely punt on it and, and hit – well, they wanted to ride the, well, if we have a, a decent enough quarterback to partner with Derrick Henry, then we can win they, a lot of They games, fell which, into the Colts trap of, well, the division's bad, so you know maybe we can compete even winning you know nine games. Well, that's not, that's not going to happen this year. Uh, a tweet from our buddy Ryan Eaton, Caleb Kinney, 1380. Uh, Richardson, hang on. 
Richardson is already a lot better than I thought he'd be. I'm in wait and see mode. Well, and again, that that's that's still a luxury spot because you have time. You bought yourself for the Colts, obviously this season, obviously bought all of next season at a minimum. So you have some time. And, and I think that's the main point here is the Titans. Suddenly it's complete rebuild mode already if Tannehill is, is going to continue to either be out or play poorly. They're going to have to completely start over. At least they have two options to choose from. We just don't know those are good options. Whereas the Colts, I think, feel pretty confident they have their option. Well, that's where the Colts were the last couple of years, right? With quarterback hell. You yeah. didn't have a young quarterback that you were going to try to develop, and you didn't have a bona fide number one QB. You were in QB hell. Now you at least think you have, at least you have a dude that you're trying to figure out if he's QB one or not. And you look at Tennessee and they have two guys that are like that, that they need to figure out. Maybe neither one of them work out. They're hoping at least one does, but it's not going to be Ryan Tannehill. Coming up on the other side, Nebraska football has been passed by another sport at their own university. We'll explain what's going on and why it's a good thing for the Big Ten. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets to see the Comets in Wheeling this Saturday night at the Coliseum. All you got to do is text Wheeling to 46862. Again, Wheeling to 46862, and you'll be entered into the contest. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. Uh, Text also rolling in from the previous segment talking about quarterbacks. The Colts being in a good spot because they think they have their franchise quarterback. We're debating the teams that are locked in. Your Mahomes, your Burrow, uh, your Josh Allen, etc. Justin Herbert was the one we felt like was on the fringe. This text, Herbert is 100% a championship quarterback. Put him in Pittsburgh with that defense and those skill players. And we were talking about him as a top two to three quarterback. Uh, I think there's a typo here. It's the I, I autocorrect got him, I think, and wants to go to battle with him. That's what changes. I have no idea. Yeah, what I have means. no idea. No idea. So I have no idea what you sent there. It says it's the INs. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, it's the defense. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Either way, I'm not saying Justin Herbert can't be or won't be a championship quarterback. He just hasn't proven it yet. I mean, his one game that he played in the playoffs, he lost. I You're a lot higher on Tua than I am. I think Tua is he's a good quarterback, but I need to see him do it. One, you, you got to make the playoffs. Two, I need to see him like win games for his team. Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are excellent wide receivers. Well, I think, too, I, I imagine They get somebody, more credit than Tua does, and, and can, I don't know if that's fair or not, but... Right. I feel like Tua's got to go out there and and win games for his team as opposed to the attention and the reasoning going to the wide receivers. I think there is is a case to be made where people will say if you gave Justin Herbert or other quarterbacks what Tua has in Miami, then yeah. they would put up numbers like Correct. Tua Correct, and that's why I'm not as high on Tua. And But that's, that's a separate debate, too, of, well, how much is a quarterback impacted by the skill players around him? 46862, again, the text line number. Uh, Meanwhile, in the Big Ten, Nebraska football, they're actually having a bounce-back year. 
four and three on the season, chance for a bowl game. <laughs> that's their bounce. We'll, we'll, that's where Nebraska football it, is right now. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, but the, the, the Nebraska nation would like to think that they're more important than they are. I, I don't know if they would think it's a bounce back year going four and three. They're doing renovations to Memorial Stadium that will reduce seating capacity, which I find fascinating. Um, usually you're adding seating capacity uh, for programs like that. Uh, but Nebraska football, not as big of a draw in their own state compared to one other team, at least last Saturday. So uh-huh. Nebraska Northwestern on Big Ten Network. Uh, that was the afternoon, like the mid-afternoon game on Big Ten Network. Okay. 560,000 viewers. Meanwhile, Nebraska women's volleyball, their match outdrew Nebraska football on Big Ten Network. Uh, number two, Nebraska beat number one, Wisconsin, in five sets. Average 612,000 viewers. Now, remember, this is the same program that had a record 92,000 fans for a match versus Omaha back in August. It was played at Memorial Stadium. We just saw the Iowa women's basketball program play a game at Kinnick Stadium, uh, an exhibition a couple weeks ago. But this this is a viewership record for a women's volleyball match on Big Ten Network. But that viewership record is going to fall and fall big because Fox is going to air Minnesota-Wisconsin on Sunday after the early NFL window in most markets. Really? They're putting yes. college... Women's volleyball mm-hmm. on, and then there will be a, a a late game, a game after the late game in some of the other markets. So, college women's volleyball seems to be having its moment this year after women's college basketball had its moment last season. Uh, women's volleyball on the rise, up thirteen percent on Big Ten Network this year, and also the the championship as far as for the NCAA will be broadcast on ABC. Oh, how about that? So there you go, uh, Nebraska football again. Having a bounce back year, four and three in Matt Rule's first season in Lincoln, an opportunity to to get to a bowl game. They play Purdue. They host Purdue this Saturday. You can hear the game three thirty uh, kickoff here on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM. But it's Nebraska women's volleyball. It's the real draw for Cornhusker fans. Apparently, they Who would have thought, and they showed it when they had the uh, the volleyball match right at at Nebraska. Was a month ago? Two yeah, months ago? Yeah, uh, August. August, yeah, a couple months ago. Uh, tons of people showed up. Text coming in. NIL has put more visibility on women's collegiate athletics than ever before. Uh, yeah, I think that's part of it, but also it's just moving games from either streaming to you know ESPN to now ABC. I mean, you got to remember, Women's Final Four w- was broadcast on ABC, and you had the, the game... As far as the championship game with Caitlin Clark, and she's a draw for Iowa, um, unable to beat LSU, and then you had the the semifinal game between South Carolina and uh, Aaliyah Boston against Caitlin Clark, and, and Iowa got the upset win. Like You give them a platform, and you promote it, and it will get ratings. And I think we've seen that in the last six months or so. Uh, but I do also think that NIL has helped, or at yes. least the ability for college athletes to be visual in other mediums and other ways outside of, of being relegated to just on the field or on the court or whatever, like they were prior to NIL. The only more notable person in Iowa athletics and Caitlin Clark is, well, I guess there are two Brian Ferentz (laughs) for all the wrong reasons, for all the wrong reasons. And Kirk Ferentz, the head coach uh, of the Iowa football program. I mean, Caitlin Clark is the star. 
So when you have stars, they they draw. And what you saw last night, you have Nebraska, which is a really good program, or, or I guess what you saw Saturday night. Nebraska, really good program. It's going to draw. Well, I think also what helps is, and I don't know if it's a Midwestern thing or whatever, but look at Iowa. Like, what mm-hmm. else last year got you excited about Iowa? Anything in Iowa sports-wise? What is getting you excited about anything in Nebraska sports-wise? So that's why I think that's part of it, I think. There are also markets that don't have pro teams. Correct. In-state. Yeah, that helps. so there's not much. What else are these people supposed to watch? What are those these people supposed to root for in Nebraska? I mean, that's the thing with, with the volleyball match they had at Memorial Stadium. If you tried that at, let's say, um, I don't know, the shoe, and I'm not, you're not getting that many people to come out and watch Ohio State volleyball. Why? Because you have Ohio State football, and you have pro teams in Ohio. You don't have it in Nebraska. Another text coming in. There are just more top-ranked women's teams in the Big Ten this year in basketball and volleyball than men's sports. That helps, too. Especially when, when you have these media rights deals, like with Fox, to then get college volleyball on Sunday afternoon, like we're going to see this weekend. That's true. 46862, the text line number again, 46862. Uh, someone else on the quarterback debate. Uh, there's only maybe one quarterback, Mahomes, that lifts his team. Every other quarterback is dependent on what's around them. I think it's a good point. Um, but that's always been the case in the NFL. I true. Mean, you I had mean, Brady, Manning, Rogers. and Rodgers, and that was it for a long time. Yeah, and those guys transcended whatever they, they had. I mean, people thought, that you could you with Kansas City was everybody wanted to sign their players and then they go elsewhere and they don't perform as well uh, outside of maybe Tyree Kill, but um, no, it's it's a good point. I get it for sure. Um, when we talk about championship quarterbacks and guys that I would trust in big moments, I can count those guys on one hand. There are some that I could add: Justin Herbert, maybe in the next year or two; Tua in the next year or two. Right now, not yet. Josh Allen, not yet. Yeah, Josh Allen is one that I think everyone kind of anointed him and then failed to live up to expectations last year. And then now it's like, all right, prove it. Prove it that you're still one of the top guys. I I think he's definitely he's definitely top five, but you you need to see him bounce back because it, turnovers have, have been his Achilles heel. And outside of one season a couple years ago, uh, he's not been able to really shake that. And- if if Buffalo was an East Coast team with the uh, with the attention that East Coast teams get, they would just be absolutely lit up all the time. Like, yes, uh, because three years, three years they've been on the short list to win the Super Bowl. They haven't even been able to get to a Super Bowl, let alone win one. If they were the Jets in this position over three years, and they were supposed to be favored like this, if they were New England, if they were the Giants. Philly. They would just be getting lit up. But I don't know why Buffalo gets a pass is they have completely underperformed each of the last three years. And nothing that I've seen so far this year tells me that they're going to end that streak. They're not better than Kansas City right now. They're not better than Miami. I don't think they're better in Baltimore at this point. Uh, Texts are saying Josh Allen has the hero complex. Trying to do too much. Another person uh, Josh Allen putting up 30 points per game in the playoffs versus the Chiefs in the playoffs and losing. Is he really the problem? He turns the ball over too much. The turnovers are the issue. The tur- so, and someone and else come in huge uh, times. 
Someone's saying you have to add Breeze with Manning and Brady. Quarterback plays definitely. I thought about that. I don't know. I uh, that would be a deeper debate that I would. Breeze is certainly a Hall of Fame quarterback. No one's debating that. It's just you can only have so many guys at that that level. You make every like Breeze does make people like he made people around him better, but he also had. I mean. It's so hard to determine, you know, is it the players around him or the quarterback? I I think it was mainly Breeze. I just I don't know if I can put him on the level of Rodgers, Brady, Manning. I I can't either. He uh, would be just like right below. I I I could sit here and somebody could make an excellent case, and I could say, yeah, you're right. But right, just immediately thinking about, it, I just I I can't. 46862, the text line number 46862. Meanwhile, on the other side, we talked about positives for the Big Ten with women's volleyball. Well, another indictment on Big Ten basketball. Two things that show the Big Ten really needs to figure it out when it comes to men's basketball. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch. Justin Kinney with you. Thanks for being with us on your Wednesday. Coming up this hour on the show in just a bit, another indictment on Big Ten basketball. The Big Ten uh, being blamed for one problem and not acknowledging another. We'll get to that shortly. Plus, Aaron Rodgers is spot on about a problem that's been going on in the NFL and a simple way to fix it. We'll get to that. Zach Eady could join an elite Big Ten list this season. And before we leave you, a driver got creative to try to get to work a little quicker. Unfortunately, though, they got caught. I think I feel like we see this every year with this kind of uh, situation in, in HOV lanes. Uh, we'll get to that at the end of the show. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Uh, you can also text Wheeling the 46862 and be in the running for a four pack of tickets. See the Comets and the Nailers this Saturday night at the Coliseum 730 puck drop. There's the the Comets play two at home this weekend. Uh, Toledo Friday night wheeling on Saturday night. Uh, And don't forget you can stream us 1380thefan.com on the free 1380thefan app or your smart speaker. So the Big Ten now being blamed, we talked about this, I believe, yesterday. There's a report that the Gavit games, they were on as of a few weeks ago with the Big Ten, and then now suddenly they're off. Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman said the Big Ten backed out of the Gavit games deal. Not a good look there. Um, I'm not sure why they're backing out. You lost your marquee non-conference matchup that you had every year uh, with the ACC, with the TV deals changing. But um, the the Gavit games are done, according to Val Ackerman. Uh, Big East also working on an extension for Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament, and rightfully so. I mean, that's where it belongs. But there's strike number one, which I think is a, a problem. I mean, the problem with college basketball is the season starts too slow, right? There's not enough to draw people in with with the early games on the schedule. And to have these... You know, Power Six conference crossover matchups, you know, in November and December is a way to draw people in before you get in the conference play. Now, I get it. People aren't going to pay attention, period, until either after the NFL season or until March. And that's just reality for men's college basketball. 
Yeah. But they certainly don't do themselves any favors early on in the season either. Agreed. I, I, I don't know what college basketball could do to make it a big deal before at least the new year because the most popular sport in America is the NFL and the second most popular sport in America is college football. So it doesn't matter what you do, but at the same time, it would help not playing all these mid to low majors yeah. early on. Well, and I think that that's like, I'm not saying you can't play those games, but if you start off with big games and not just like two or three, but actual big games and good time slots, not going up against the NFL, I think you'd have a, a chance to do something as a sport. So would people uh, still be interested though? Like if all of a sudden everybody was playing everybody the first week, it's still a long season. And a lot of people are going to say these games don't even matter. True. Part of it is you have to have a draw, right? And a couple of years ago, Zion Williamson was a draw early on. Right. Duke, I mean, and you just don't, you don't have those players every year either. Compare it to the NBA last night that you had two games, LA and Denver, Phoenix and Golden State. Like they're trying to stack the early, the opening night of yeah, the as, NBA as with should. big games. But is anybody still, nobody still, how many people watched the NBA last night? That, I mean, if you're, if you're an NBA fan, yeah, you did. Casual fans? How many casual fans turned to the NBA last night? Really? I was watching, I mean, I caught a little bit. I was more interested in watching the baseball game last night. Right. You have baseball and then you have football. So even if you stack the front of the schedule, I just still don't see college basketball being a draw. And maybe that's why we don't see more of those big games early because they're like, well, what's the point? We're not going to, we're not going to usurp football anyway. So why try? But I think if they made a concerted effort to look at say, okay, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, that's when they should make a concerted effort to have big games on those nights early in the season. Take advantage of, when football is off. And I know some people will say, well, the Mac and stuff. No, no, I'm talking major college football and the NFL. Tuesdays and Wednesdays would be the days to strike. I I agree. Now, will they do that? I don't know. Probably Because not. you got to remember, it's over 330 teams when it comes to scheduling. And, and that's, you have so many teams and that's part of it. It's just scheduling is, is the nightmare. Uh, the other thing is we, we talked about this at length. We don't need to go deeper with the big 10, but it, the re- refusal to adjust the style of play, uh, the officiating lack of elite talent. And this is the aspect we want to focus on. So NBA opening rosters were revealed, not last night, but the, the, the previous night before. And a lot of conferences or teams had press releases or made a note about it. 27 uh, former Kentucky players on NBA opening night rosters. Big 12, they sent out a press release with 55 players across the conference. The ACC sent out a release 75, which is crazy. 75 players. Helps me have Duke and North Carolina. Uh, the Big 10, no release. I, I couldn't <laughs> find anything in the Big 10 on this. I went and, and went by individual teams. Start counting. And I started counting. So, would you guess the team that has the most NBA players, uh, the the Big Ten University, with the most NBA players on an opening night roster? Uh, Michigan State. No. Okay. Um, trying to think. Uh, I will say Indiana. Nope. Michigan State and IU tied for third with seven each. 
This one really surprised me. Ohio State. No, Ohio State second with eight. Uh, Maryland? Nope, Maryland. Uh, Running out of Big Ten teams. Five. Here. A um, team that was not successful last year has had a lot of NBA players in the last several years. Michigan? Yes, Michigan. 11. Okay. So I, I tallied this up. 50 total players, so that's less than the Big 12, way less than the ACC. Um, Kentucky had just them alone had more than half of what the Big Ten total was. Not Would you say 27? The, yeah, 27. <laughs> stupid. Yeah, uh, from Kentucky alone. So 50 total for, for the Big Ten. No release, no publicity on this. Uh, IU with, with, again, seven players in the NBA. Uh, Purdue with one, Jaden Ivey. Um, but they're, they're not publicizing this. And it's because they should be doing better. Let's be honest. Um, we can talk at length about how the Big Ten has all these teams making the tournament and they don't do anything in the tournament. And part of the problem is I think you have a, a couple of tiers of coaches where you have Tom Izzo, who's clearly on the top tier with anyone in the country. And then you have probably Matt Painter and Chris Holtman. And people want Chris Holtman fired. Yeah. And then after that, though, after that, you have some some guys where, I mean, Brad Underwood, really? Like, yeah. he's a mid-level coach. Um, Mike Woodson? Fran McCaffrey, mid-level coach. Uh, Mike Woodson, I don't know if we know enough yet. TBA, I think he I'd has say it's still TBA. a lot of experience. This year we'll pros, learn a lot. But doesn't mean he's a good college coach yet. I think he's a service. We've seen... And Juwan Howard, with all the talent that they had last year, couldn't even make the NCAA tournament. Right. So that's that's part of the problem. One, you don't have elite coaches outside of Tom Izzo. I think Matt Painter is just a step below. I think Chris Holtman is also right there. But after that, you don't have elite coaches in this conference. Um, The fact that you're not even touting players making the NBA tells me that you're embarrassed by the number. It should be higher. And it's probably true, but that's because the Big Ten can't attract elite talent outside of Michigan State, you know, getting guys here and there. Michigan's been able to get guys, but they don't do anything when they're at Michigan and then go to the NBA. And then IU's gotten some elite talent in the last couple of years, but you're not getting enough elite talent, which helps pave the way to get to the NBA. There's just, there's so many problems in, in backing out of the Gavin games. That's a bad look. Not touting your your players who make it to the NBA, that's a bad look. It's just like, I'm starting to wonder if the Big Ten is just content on collecting checks because they're doing a great job in women's basketball. They're doing a great job in women's volleyball. When it comes to to Big Ten men's basketball, they'd rather just collect checks. They they don't care to win. They know they'll get their 8, 9, 10 teams in the tournament every year, and they're okay with that. That's fine. I think the league in general is fine. That league is more focused on adding more teams and more revenue on the football side of things than anything. That's where, and that's the thing, is when you look at the Big Ten is how do they upgrade? Well, on the football side, they're upgrading by adding teams. But when you look at the quote-unquote big three, how do you, how do you help that? You, you don't really raise the floor. You add USC and Oregon and Washington to that equation. And in basketball, I mean, I guess you're adding UCLA, which is a really good program, historically great all-time program. And then USC's been on the up the last several years. 
I don't know what you're really getting out of Washington and Oregon in that equation on the men's side, but it just it it doesn't feel like there's a commitment there to to try to win, to try to be better. It just seems like they're stuck. Kind of like how IU football and the IU administration like is just letting this happen, and they seem to be okay with it. And people say, well, they can't afford to buy out Tom Allen's contract. Yes, they can. Yeah, they can. If they wanted to do it, they would. Yeah. And I don't know if they're just waiting to let the season play out. I don't know what they're if they're expecting something different. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm letting it play out. What's the what's the point of firing a midseason? It's not changing anything. You're not gaining anything. Yeah, I you're guess. not gaining anything. But as soon as you can fire him, they should. But we'll see if they do. It's just the the Big Ten. I don't know. To me, this was so noticeable that from backing out of a, a major non-conference, you know, kind of event and then zero publicity from a lot of your programs, like, it was hard to find these numbers. It was very difficult for each team. Oh, I'm uh, sure. C- could you guess the one Big Ten team that does not have an NBA player? On does not have roster? an NBA player. I will say Minnesota. No, they have one. Um, mar, 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 don't I think too hard. Say, don't think too hard. Yeah. Uh, no problem there. <laughs> uh, Northwestern. Yes, correct. Okay. We say don't think so. They made the tournament last year. Yeah, but as far as NBA talent, yeah, they've not had NBA talent until Boo Booey goes to the yeah, NBA. We'll see. Boo Booey, my favorite name in college basketball. Yes. Four six eight six two again. Your text line number four six eight six two. Let us know your thoughts. Meanwhile, coming up next, Aaron Rodgers spot on about one of the problems in the NFL and how to fix it. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. So we were trying to pull up the clip for this segment. Uh, Justin discovered he is blocked by Pat McAfee, which is quite funny. I wish I remember the story of why I'm blocked by Pat McAfee. I'm sure it's a good one, but I was trying to pull the clip up and uh, I'm like, why isn't this loading? And uh, had to look up the explanation of why I couldn't see it. I thought initially it was because I don't follow him. No, it's because I'm blocked. <laughs> oh, well. I was blocked, and I, I don't even know if his Twitter's still active, but Ben Roethlisberger, I was blocked by him, and I don't think I've ever even tweeted anything about Ben How did you even stumble upon it then? Like, did you search him for um, some reason? There was a story talking about how Ben Roethlisberger, like, whoever ran his account, because it didn't seem to be him, just, like, mass-blocked people. And you just checked to see if you were one of them, and you were? Yeah, and I was. And I was like, ah, I had no idea. Congrats. Yeah. Not sure if he's even still on Twitter, to be honest. But pretty funny. Uh, Anyway, Aaron Rodgers, who was on the Pat McAfee show, as he is every Tuesday, we're not going to get into some of his other comments, but he did have some interesting... Oh, I'm unblocked. Oh, congrats. But I was blocked for, for a time by Ben Roethlisberger. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers got into one of the key things everyone wants to talk about in terms of the NFL, Colts fans in particular after Sunday, is officiating, right? We, we People are claiming the Super Bowl was rigged. People are always upset about playoff calls. I don't even, like, people are always, always going to be upset about officiating calls. I get it. I think it's overblown in a lot of aspects, but the, there, there is some truth to it. And he brought up a great point 
about what needs to be done to help officiating in the NFL. I do think that it would probably help to have all of them full time. I think uh, an increase in pay probably as well. It's a really important part of our game. We're a billion, billion dollar industry. And, uh, you know, I think those uh, those men and women deserve uh, to be paid appropriately where they can uh, make this their full time gig. There was there was thoughts about. Again, we, we always talk about the officials. We never talk about the fact that the NFL still doesn't have full time referees. Now right. they get paid over two hundred thousand dollars, but most of them have other full time jobs. I, I couldn't figure out the exact number as far as the number of officials that are actually full time in the NFL. I I came across one name of a guy who was like a line judge who was full time. Okay, but the only reason why he was full time with the NFL is because he was an NFL employee, where he worked with with some somewhere else in the NFL organization, NFL HQ. Now I so know some people it. would. I know some people were like, well, if I was making $200,000 a job, I wouldn't be working another job. Well, they don't receive benefits Yeah, as an official. They get a 401k, but they don't have health insurance or anything. So, of course, you have enough to have another job if you aren't getting benefits. From and again, they have, they have like a mandatory summer training thing they have to go to. And then they have to arrive a, a day early for every game. Um and they get video, essentially homework during the week to review stuff, and they get graded every week. So there are some requirements. But here's the thing. NBA refs, full-time. MLB umpires, full-time. Why Why are NFL officials still not full-time? And, and again, part of it is when this started, NFL officials weren't full-time. They've just stuck with that. But you got to remember, some of these guys and, and gals have other jobs in other industries or – some referee like in in college in the pros and use that to to supplement and we've talked about this in in college where there are some obvious issues where you have guys who you know ref a game on the west coast took a red eye and then did a noon east coast uh tip-off game like in college basketball that happened last season people called it out rightfully so uh aaron Rodgers also brought up gene sterator uh you have him with cbs you have mike Pereira on fox if Terry McCauley on NBC, what's what's in common? Well, they're all former NFL refs. And also what's in common? They left their NFL job so they can be on TV. <laughs> Why? Because it's a better gig that pays money and probably has benefits. Even the NHL. And it's easier. Even the NHL has full-time referees. When you had some of your top officials leave the game for these TV jobs, that should have been enough for the NFL to realize, oh, we have a problem. We're losing our top talent to these gigs that are quite simply better. And part of it is pay. So, well, I mean, you look at it too, though, and this is a push back a little bit in terms of pay is the NHL 82 game regular season. Yeah. NBA 82 game regular season. MLB 162 game regular season. NFL 17 game regular season. So they're not quote-unquote, working as much. I mean, are you going to pay somebody full-time? Are you going to get benefits full-time to somebody that's working 25 days a year? Well, they're working more more than that because, I mean, you you double up the days plus postseason, plus they have a mandatory training they have to do in the summer. I mean, it's... So it's, it's a 50. 50 yeah. out of 365. I guess that would be the pushback from the NFL. I'm I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying, comparatively to the other major professional leagues, 
in North America, they don't have as many games that they work. But I do it, think they should be offered full time benefits. But yeah, we, we all know the NFL has the money. And here's the thing. This discussion has been had so many times. Like I went back. There was a headline from 2012 about full time officials in 2016 and 2017 in 2018, like well, I mean, every when, year even when they when they were striking, I thought that would be a major point of contention and they would get it. But that didn't happen. I, I mean, at some point. The league and the league hides behind this fact. So the refs aren't full time. So the league can hide because they want the officials to be blamed for bad calls and officials don't have to answer like they don't have a two minute report like the NBA does, for example, which I think would would help a lot of, of clarity on calls and, and accountability. But the NFL wants the officials to be blamed because therefore the NFL technically is not blamed. They can say, oh, it's the officials See, because they're, they're part-time, so they're not full-time. And, you know, if you want to invest in people, you, you make them full-time and you say, we trust you to be a part of this organization and we're going to elevate you and give you more responsibility, but also we believe in you. I feel like with the refs, they're like, ah, yeah, we... We don't have to pay them benefits. We can get by. CK, if, if they give them full-time benefits, they should have more training and studying. Yes. It. I would totally agree. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think in a perfect world, and we look at the USFL and the XFL, and it's merging, right? Because big shock, neither of them are making money. If the NFL ever got to a point where they owned one of those leagues, I think it would make sense to then have the officials working those same games because they're in the spring when there's not the NFL going on. I I think if the NFL had a proper minor league system in the sense that it had an XFL or USFL or whatever under the NFL, and would that ever happen? I think it's a conversation for another day if the NFL would ever go to a NBA-like system where every NFL team had an affiliated USFL or XFL team like they do the G League and the NBA then you could have the referees working both leagues and working more and men maybe getting benefits, but that's obviously down the line. So I could run through the list of the real jobs that these people have because they have real jobs. Okay. Officiating is their, their side gig. I'm going to say like lawyers and yeah, you have a nonprofit CEO, a statistician and real estate investor, a sales rep, a banker, a retired director of operations and management defense contractor, a teacher, a software quality assurance manager, a CEO, a plant manager, an athletic programs manager, a retired teacher and coach, physical therapist, medical sales rep, business development, attorney, firefighter, claims adjuster, software quality assurance tester, court director, engineer slash project manager, another engineer, operations. I, I mean, I could keep going down the list. Sales manager, management consultant, an athletic director, fiscal manager, firefighter, EMT. Now, this person in particular is a former NFL player, Nate Jones, a federal agent and a retired air traffic controller, man. And, and again, and th- these are, what would be the most normal job you would, you would like to see? These are the, and these aren't the, the head refs. So there are 17 part-time head refs. And then I went down just several of the crews as far as what the, 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 the guys and gals on their crews do. I would love to see like somebody that was just like a shift supervisor at Meyer. Or something. Everybody. I mean, a lot of attorneys, jobs. a lot of people in finance and baking, engineers, a couple teachers, teachers, uh, sales. I mean, it, it's it's across the board. You have another person who's a high school officials coordinator. 
Hmm. Several teachers, several retired uh, people, a couple former NFL players. But but again, like you you want to to fix this problem, have full t- and I'm not even. But how like, much is it? Let, let's be like, how much is it a problem? How much do we look at the NFL and say, oh, the refer the officiating is that bad? Because I don't. I think there are questionable calls every week to be expected. But there are in the NBA and the NHL yeah, and yeah. and Major League Baseball, and those guys are full time guys and girls. I just I, I, I overall I see what what's what's the problem here. Should they be full-time? Yes. But is there some egregious issue in the NFL where these officials should be full-time? I don't think so. So they miss a couple of calls. That happens all the time. That's, that's, that's life. I guess that's my thing is I, I don't know what this quote-unquote fixes. Here's my thing, though. The NFL, by having it set up this way, they've allowed themselves to have some of their top talent in, in officiating go to TV because it was a better gig. Because true, and that to me is is the biggest issue I have is that you couldn't convince some of your top officials to stay. They left, and to have one person do that, that's one thing. But to have three of the top guys do that and leave, and I'm sure there are others who are part of it who have left to to have these kind of you know TV consulting roles. That's an issue. That's not that's not one person leaving. That's a trend. Yeah, I would agree. Although I'm sure those are lucrative, even even if the, with benefits were part of it, I'm sure those guys are getting paid million plus to be on those those networks. But I do get that side. But in terms of the calls, I just I know that Colts fans are up in arms and oh my gosh, but you know you just you're gonna have missed calls all the time. Four six eight six two. The text line number again four six eight six two. Coming up uh, on the other side, Zach Eady. Could join an elite Big Ten list this season. In fact, could he? He probably will, and do it rather quickly. We'll explain the numbers next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on thirteen eighty the fan one hundred point nine FM. I want to remind you if you're a fan of the fan, make your voice heard. Text survey to four six eight six two. Fill out our short fan survey. Just takes a couple of minutes. If you fill out the fan survey, you'll be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. So again, just text survey to 46862. Fill that out and let us know your thoughts on the fan through the fan survey. Also, if you're looking for something to do Saturday night, Comets tickets, a four-pack of tickets. Yes. Comets and the Wheeling Nailers were giving away tickets this morning. Text Wheeling to 46862 to be entered to win a four-pack of tickets to, to the Comets. A home weekend for the Ks. Friday night against Toledo. Saturday night, 7.30 puck drop at the Coliseum between the Ks and Wheeling. We'll pick a winner here in about 10 minutes, so make sure you get your entries in. Again, Wheeling to 46862 is how you enter that contest. Zach Eady set to join an elite Big Ten list this season. That's the 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 200 blocks in a career list. Zach Eady would join Trace Jackson Davis, Herb Williams, and Joe Barry Carroll, former Purdue great on the Big Ten list. And he can get there with ease. So you look at a college basketball season, Purdue will play at least 30 games, right? Probably more based on Big Ten tournament and hopefully NCAA tournament success. Not one and done. Uh huh. But 30 games is a, a healthy number to make this easy averages. 
So he only needs 467 points, 153 rebounds, and 52 block shots to become the fourth player on the list. Also, he'd be the only one to shoot 60% from the field on the list. Well, uh, you look at it, he can get this done pretty quickly, uh, even if he just averaged 20, 10, and 2, which is on the low end of what we would expect from him this season. Coming off a career year, and now there's going to be heightened expectations on him after last year. How do you expect him to play? Uh, you can look at, at, at guys like Drew Timmy at Gonzaga after he had a lot of hype, but that was more on an NCAA tournament run than so much you know, a, a regular season a couple years ago. And he also had Jalen Suggs, at least that first go-round. Uh, and then Oscar Shibwe at Kentucky. Um, National Player of the Year. And then the follow-up. Do, do you expect Edie, Do you expect there to be a drop-off because teams will defend him differently, or do you expect him to continue to to have a high level of success? I mean, the problem is, is how do you match up with a seven-four, three hundred yeah. pound guy anyway? Yeah. So he averaged twenty-two, twelve, almost thirteen. So let's say twenty-two, thirteen a game last year with two blocks per game. Shot sixty percent from the field. For Edie, I mean. Do you expect those numbers to go up, those averages? Do you think they stay the same? Do you think that Purdue even tries to be more versatile offensively to set themselves up for postseason play? I think it's easy to say everything runs through Edie, but when you do that and either a team somehow limits him or he has an off night, then what do you do? And I think we saw that in the opening round of the NCAA tournament last year so even do we see his numbers drop because Purdue approaches things differently and tries to balance out their offense to be ready that to for whatever is thrown at them because one of the things that we talked about last year is is how do you defend Zach Eady and 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 teams just threw a variety of defenses nothing really worked but it wasn't Purdue it was always Eady how do you defend Zach Eady it wasn't how do you defend the Purdue offense it was, how do you defend Zach Eady? Does Matt Painter want to get to a point at some point this season where the question is, how do you defend Purdue? Because they have this great player in the post. They have, they have superb play from their guards. They have wings that can penetrate and pull up and make shots. That's where Purdue needs to get to this year to be a bona fide Final Four contender. They can't be a, wow, Zach Eady is really good. They need to be a, wow, Purdue's offense is really, really good. And the issue all last season, three-point shooting, right? And that really became a problem in the NCAA tournament, in that game. I mean, they they weren't able to hit from outside. Fletcher Lawyer went cold in, in what, mid to late January. He hit the freshman wall. Uh, that's not something you're maybe as worried about this year. It's more of, can the three-point shooting continue to improve? And can Purdue take advantage of the aspect that teams could double, even triple team ED inside. You got to hit those outside shots in, that, in those scenarios. But the thing is, is everybody said, well, Purdue brings back everybody, but Purdue had flaws last year. Yeah. So those players that are coming back have to be better. And I think Purdue needs to be more balanced on, on the offensive end of the court. So I could see Zach Eady's numbers going down. If Zach Eady averages 20 and 11 this year, and yet Purdue is a better basketball team offensively, then that's good. I don't know if it's the best thing for the Boilermakers if Zach Eady comes out and is averaging 25 and 15. 
at the end of the year. That tells me there's even more pressure on Zach Eady. He is he is doing even more for this team in the post, which means his teammates aren't facilitating and helping him out as much as need be. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic, I think, watching Purdue throughout the season is, yes, you want to see Zach Eady be that guy, but it wouldn't be the worst thing this year if somebody else goes off a game or two. Because you go through leading scores, right, last year, and it's just Eady, 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 Eady. I mean, that was the constant. But I think balance is the big thing for Purdue. It's okay for other guys to have big nights. Not everything has to go through Edie all the time. And maybe that will be a top priority for Matt Painter. Here's the biggest thing for me for Purdue and success in the tournament. I mean, you got to meet certain metrics, right? You got to have a top 20 offense, top 20 defense in Ken Palm. You got to have an NBA level guard. And that's where it gets iffy to me. Miles Colvin would have to be that guy, right? It's not Braden Smith and it's not Fletcher Lawyer. Right. They're good college players, but they're not NBA level guys. Miles Colvin has to be that guy. Uh, to step up. And it, it, that to me seems to be a bigger storyline is the guard play. Edie can do everything he wants, but to win in the tournament, you got to have great guard play and you got to, got to be able to shoot from three, right? And those are things that Purdue not did not the have ball over. last year. Look at it like a, a, a group project and you have five people working on a group project. Purdue last year. And if you look at, at Purdue's offense as a group project of five, there was one person doing the majority of the work, okay? And on presentation day, if that one person doesn't show up, then the other four are lost. They're like, oh, crap. The guy that (laughs) that carried us throughout the entire project and developing isn't here, so what do we do? Or he's, he's sick and can't be there or is limited or all of a sudden it's like, okay, he did all the work, but now you guys have to carry him through the presentation. That was the problem with Purdue is if you if you didn't have Zach Eady, if he had an off night or was marginalized in any way, they didn't know what to do. It was like a group project that went awry because one person did all the work. Purdue has to be a more balanced group project. Everybody has to carry their weight this year for Purdue to reach their goal, which is the final four. That's the goal. Not sweeping through the Big Ten regular season, not winning a Big Ten championship, not winning a, a Big Ten tournament championship. The goal is the final four. That's the only thing that matters. And if reaching that goal means that Zach Eady doesn't put up the gaudy stats that he did last year, then I think that's a positive. And I think everyone takes that. I think so too. I mean, yeah, uh, everybody will cash in everything if you have success in March. But I think if Zach Eady, if people are look at the, look at his stats in in January and February and go, well, what's wrong with Zach Eady? He's not averaging what he did last year. Maybe that's a good thing for Purdue. That means other dudes are stepping up consistently. All that to say, I still think he'll join this 2,000 point, 1,000 yes. rebound, 200 block well, in no a career list with <laughs> without any issue. <laughs> Agreed. Not at all. That'll 46862 is where you reach us on the text line. Again, final chance to text Wheeling to 46862 to be in running for a four-pack of tickets. See the comments in the nailers this Saturday night at the Coliseum. Coming up on the other side, a driver got creative and got caught, well, to try to get to work faster. We'll explain next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping it up here, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. 
just picked our Comets winner. So uh, to everyone who entered today, thank you. Don't forget, though, you can text SURVEY to 46862. Fill out our fan survey. If you fill that out, you'll be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. So we're running a, a fan survey on programs and what we have here on the station. Let us know your thoughts, and you could win a $100 Visa gift card. Again, just text SURVEY to 46862. All right, final story of the day time. And... Again, HOV lanes, people want to get creative to try to get to work faster. I get it. Some people will like put dummies. Well, this person went next level. It's October. Washington State Patrol says a driver pulled over the HOV lanes of a highway. The passenger turned out to be a creepy clown dummy. This happened on ah. Interstate 405 in Renton. Right up your alley. Uh, no. <laughs> a trooper noticed the unusual occupant in the passenger seats. Uh... Trooper confirmed the passenger was a Halloween dummy, not a real-life clown. Uh, the trooper said, love the Halloween vibe, but still doesn't count. Uh, was pretty freaky looking. Yes. I don't mind the effort, but you can't use the that lane without anybody else. But what do you try? What do you try? Uh, but, can you imagine seeing that in a car? Like, that would creep me out. I was about to ask you that. Like, what if you were driving to Madison this past weekend and Ugh. asked somebody and that was no. in the passenger seat? No, thank you. <laughs> that would creep me out for sure. A little bit. Um, it is clown season. That is for sure. The fact that there's a season for clowns. It is the Halloween season, the, cl- the scary clown season for sure. Now, well, you guys, are. Is, we talked about this last night at our house. Are you guys are going to give out candy? Are you? Oh, yeah. Plan? Yeah. Yeah, we'll give out candy. We already bought our candy several weeks ago. We'll sit on the front porch and pass it's out gonna candy. It's going to be freezing. I know. 41 is what I saw. Last year, it was really nice, was as it? I recall. I can only yes. remember the cold ones. But I do rem- actually, I do remember because I did sit outside because I told my wife because she was like, I said, don't get, we're not giving out candy. She's like, okay, so don't buy candy. I'm like, no, because we won't be giving it out. I don't want a ton of candy in the house because then I'll eat it. <laughs> but uh, we can't really, kids come to the door because every time that happens, the door or the, the dog goes crazy. I'm sure that's yeah. why you guys sit on the front porch. Yep. But if so, it's going to be cold, yeah, that's going to be tough to sit outside. Yeah, so uh, as beautiful as yesterday was, it's going to be like 41. Mm-hmm. Last next week is brutal. Yeah, enjoy this week <laughs> for sure because it's back to reality next week. Dan Patrick Show up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4 and the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from 4 to 6 all today. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.